At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through chapter 2, verse 3. So we're bridging the two chapters here. Brothers and sisters, hear the words of our God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all the grass's glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into your salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the marketing industry, there's a method for gathering information about businesses called mystery shopping or secret shopping. You may have heard of this before. It's a relatively simple concept. What marketing companies will do is hire people to shop in certain businesses or stores, and they'll say, hey, go in there and act like a normal customer. Do the browsing and shopping the same way that you would normally do it. And what we want you to do is report back to us on all sorts of things related to your experience shopping. What was the customer service like? Was it friendly and helpful, or were they rude and disinterested? What was the environment of the store like? Was it warm and clean, or was it dirty and depressing? What was your overall experience like? Were you satisfied and willing to go back there again, or were you put off and highly unlikely to ever return? So you can see why marketing companies would do this. They're trying to get an honest assessment of what a business or store is truly about. What are they known for? What distinguishes them? Well, imagine this happened to us as a church. Imagine a mystery churchgoer got a secret look into the inner workings and true quality of our faith family. Without us knowing it, what if they got an insider's look on how we treated each other. And I'm not talking about the Sunday morning whitewashed surfacey edition. What if they got the raw, unadulterated version of how we deal with conflict? What if they heard the unedited comments of what we say behind one another's backs? What if they witnessed how we processed disagreements? What would Woodside Lapeer be known for? And what would distinguish us as a church? 
Well, we look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 23, we get the apostolic answer for what should pop, what should stand out as people evaluate our community. It's our love for one another. In the same way that Apple stores are known for their sleek design, in the same way that Chick-fil-A is known for their friendly service, in the same way that Walmart is known for their low prices and McDonald's for their fast service, our church should be known for our love for one another. Brotherly love marks the family of God. And along with our devotion to Christ, this is the distinguishing mark of the church, that we love our fellow Christ followers. So let's see how Peter puts this. Look again at verse 22. After having elaborated on how we are to set our hope in God and live holy lives before God, Peter now talks about how we're going to relate to one another. He says in verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. So Peter's assumption here is that the audience he is writing to have trusted in Christ. And again, we know from chapter one, verse one, that he is writing to several churches scattered throughout this region. So he's got a general assumption. You are those who have obeyed the truth of the gospel by trusting in Jesus. And he likens this experience to having been purified or sanctified or set apart from the undefiled, unwashed, old way of life we had before we trusted Christ. Having purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, and then he gives the result of having undergone this experience. For unto a sincere brotherly love. That's the result. That's the outcome of having experienced the purifying grace of God when we trust in Christ. Sincere brotherly love for our Christ followers, fellow Christ followers. And Peter's instruction here is simply reinforcing a truth that he heard from Jesus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus is instructing the 12 disciples, which of course would have included Peter, And Jesus says this nice and succinctly in John 13, verse 35. He puts it this way. By this, all people will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. This is what is going to mark you as my people, that you love the rest of my people. That's what's going to distinguish you. That's what you're gonna be known for. Brotherly love marks the family of God. So in light of this truth that love is to be the chief characteristic of how we are to relate to one another, in the rest of these verses, Peter gives two commands. First, love one another. In light of the fact that you are to have love for one another, love one another. So listen again to verse 22. Peter says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. In other words, do what you were saved to do. You were purified for a sincere brotherly love, so love. And it's worth noting some of the modifying phrases and adjectives that describe the kind of love he's talking about. Brotherly love, 
earnestly love, love from the heart. But I especially appreciate that adjective, sincere love. And the Greek word that translate here is sincere, it literally translates without hypocrisy. Love one another without treating one another one way when I'm around you and another way when I'm not looking. I'm sure we've all had a coworker who, when the boss was around, our coworker talked to him with respect, followed orders, but as soon as the boss leaves, he's grumbling about him, speaking crudely about him, complaining about how he does things. Well, that coworker's love for the boss is not sincere. It's surface level, hypocritical, only when he's around. And the same thing can show up in the church. And so the apostle says, love from the heart, love from this place of depth and sincerity, love when no one's looking. And as Peter expands on this thought, he goes on in verses 23 through 25, he gives a reason why we should love one another. Listen once more to these verses. He says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So the apostle says, if you are in Christ by faith, you have experienced spiritual transformation that is so powerful and dramatic that it can only be described as you having been born again. So for Peter, a Christian Being a Christian isn't just about getting a ticket to heaven when you die. It's about experiencing the power of heaven now in this life. By God's spirit, we are regenerated. We are brought from death to life. We're born again. And this new birth is not by perishable seed. Our first birth, our physical birth, was by perishable seed, and it leads to physical death because we're broken by sin. But our second birth, our spiritual birth, is by an imperishable seed. And the apostle goes on to tell us what that imperishable seed is. It's the living and abiding word of God. He tells us more specifically in verse 25, after that quote from Isaiah 40, he says in verse 25, this word, that is the living and abiding word that gave you new life, this word is the gospel that was preached to you. So church, the good news, the gospel of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection on behalf of sinners, when that word gets planted into your heart, it's an imperishable seed. When that seed comes to life, it never dies. The spiritual life that seed gives birth to inside of you is imperishable. And in order to reinforce this truth, as I mentioned, He quotes Isaiah 40, and here's what the prophet said about the word of God. In this case, specifically, the word of the gospel. He says, all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord, the imperishable seed of the gospel, remains forever. And so the apostle's point in sharing this quotation is to say that human effort, human achievement, earthly glory, worldly success, it's all gonna wither away like the grass of the field and fall like the flower of the field. But God's word, the truth of the gospel, 
The living word, it remains, it abides forever. And it's that word that gave you new life. It's that word that brought you to life, that birthed you again into a new family. So love one another. You know, they refer to people who are good at gardening as a green thumb. These folks who are good at cultivating plant life. Well, if that's the case, I must have a black thumb of death because I am good at killing plants. All you've got to do is put it in the ground, expose it to sunlight, give it some water. That's all it takes. But I always somehow manage to make it die. Our previous homeowners planted an apple sapling in the back of our yard, and of course, I ran over it with the lawnmower within two to three weeks. You can't even see it anymore. Meg's parents gave us some mums last weekend. You know, these flowers, you always see them on sale out front of grocery stores. They gave us some mums. Just come by in two or three weeks. You can see, they'll be dry as bones. I just can't keep anything alive, except for weeds. I am a magician when it comes to weeds. Snap my fingers and there they are. Kill everything else though. Every other seed perishes. Every other flower Falls. Well, the Apostle Peter and the prophet Isaiah here say that the Lord is a master, life-giving gardener, and the seed he planted in you, the seed of the gospel that took root in you, will never die. It will bear fruit unto eternity. And the chief fruit of the eternal gospel, the chief fruit that seed bears in you is love for your brothers and sisters. And it's not just the warm and fuzzies Sentimental love. If you've been around church for two seconds, you know that that kind of love don't last. No, it's sacrificial love. It's not just love when it's convenient for you to love love. No, it's sacrificial love. It's committed love. It's patient love. Church, in accordance with your new birth by the imperishable seed of the gospel into the family of God. Love one another. Two commands in light of the fact that we are to be known by our love for one another. First, love one another. Secondly, crave spiritual milk. Crave spiritual milk. Now we're going to notice as chapter two opens up that Peter continues this same theme of our responsibility to one another through love. But whereas in verse 22, he puts it in the positive, love one another. In chapter two, verse one, he puts it in the negative, don't do this. So let's see how he articulates this. Chapter two, verse one. He says, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So in a sense, he says, put on love and put away all these other unloving characteristics. So the first one he mentions is malice, which relates to evil intent, the desire to want to do someone harm, to want someone to fail. When you feel that desire bubble up inside of you, put it away. It's unloving. This made me think about last night as I was watching football, the fact that it's not enough just to pull for my favorite team, the Auburn Tigers. No, I must hate the Alabama Crimson Tide. I, I want them to lose. Yes, Sue Baker, that's right. So you, so you notice the difference. 
I love Auburn and I have malice toward Alabama. I want them to lose. It's just as good as them to lose as it is for us to win. That's malice. When you feel that desire bubble up inside of you, the desire to want to see someone else fail, put it away, the apostle says. Next one he mentions is deceit. Treating one another deceitfully is out of line with love. The next one he mentions is hypocrisy, and we've kind of already touched on this one because he mentions it in verse 21. But again, if your love lacks sincerity, then your love lacks love. Next, he mentions envy. If you're envious of what a person has, whether it's money, possessions, children, spouse, talents, whatever, if you are envious of what a person has, you can't love who that person is. And finally, slander. How unloving to speak poorly of someone behind their back in a way that you wouldn't to their face. I had a boss one time, and we worked really closely together. Not one of my Woodside bosses, okay? I'm being honest. Totally different state. But he talked so badly about the other people in our organization. All the time, he was laughing at the expense of other people, and we worked at a large organization, so there were plenty of targets And it became like a pastime of ours, listening to him and laughing with him as he talked junk about other people. And it eventually dawned on me, if he's willing to talk like this about other people behind their back, what's keeping him from talking about me like this behind my back? And I lost trust in him. And I updated my resume. I said, I got to get out of here. Slander and speaking hurtfully is out of line with love. It's out of line with brotherly love that results from us having purified ourselves by obedience to the truth. If brotherly love marks you, these things must be put away. And instead, verse two, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So to connect these two sections, the end of chapter one and the beginning of chapter two, in essence, what Peter is saying, you were saved, verse 22, unto a sincere brotherly love for one another. You purified yourselves unto a sincere brotherly love. Therefore, love one another and grow in your love for one another by growing up in your salvation, by feeding your souls on pure spiritual milk. Sort of the logic of this chain of commands. Like newborn babies, crave that kind of milk that can grow you in love. It's amazing when, as a parent of a newborn baby, you really quickly learn to interpret their different kinds of crying, right? Mary, give me the thumbs up. Hold and stand the man back there. Like they have one kind of cry when they're scared and they want you to hold them. This kind of cry is usually accompanied with moaning or a bit of desperation to it. They have another kind of cry when they need a diaper change, and the diaper change cry usually has this I'm uncomfortable, agitated sound to it. And then they have another kind of cry when they're hungry, or should I say when they're hangry, because their hungry cry is usually filled with angry rage. It's as much a scream as it is a cry. I was tempted to give you a demonstration, but as I was practicing it, I realized it sounds kind of scary. <laughs> and my break microphone. 
So when you hear the hungry cry, you feel like you gotta rush to get them fed because they sound like they're gonna die. And when they finally get that bottle in their face, they don't respond like, oh, thanks, Dad, appreciate the drink, cheers. No, they stuff it in their face and attack that sucker. Like newborn babies. Like newborn babies crave the spiritual milk that by it you may grow in your salvation. Peter says, you've been born again. You are babes in Christ. And as those born of the Spirit, there is a kind of spiritual food whereby you grow into this salvation. Crave that spiritual food. Yearn after that spiritual food that's going to grow you. Now we must ask, what's the spiritual milk that Peter's talking about here? Well, most generally, we can say that spiritual milk is anything that accords with our new nature as God's children and helps us grow as his children. So certainly, at minimum, if not primarily, this includes his word to us in the gospel of Jesus. As we hear the gospel preached from the scriptures, as we declare the gospel through our songs of worship, as we taste the gospel in the Lord's Supper through the broken bread and the cup, as we participate in these things, we're like newborn babies filling our bellies with gospel truth. It's like if you've ever seen a baby go into what's appropriately called a milk coma. Right after they finish feeding, they just go limp. <laughs> their belly is so full, their mind is shut off, they usually have the milk mustache and they are out. It's the cutest thing in the world. Well, there's some Sundays I leave here and I got a gospel coma. Getting to hear these truths sung over me by you guys. Getting to read the scriptures and hear the good news of God's grace. Getting to take part in communion, remembering Jesus' death. Getting to see my brothers and sisters whom I love. Man, I'm just full. There's some Sundays, you know, I'll walk back during the last song and greet you guys outside. And there's some Sundays Fred Cobbett will walk out and soon as he get, soon as he walks out, he gives me this look like, mm. it's a look like he just ate the best steak he's ever had. And he just looks like me. He's like, mmm, CT, so good. And he gives me this fist bump. And you can just tell that brother is full. He just received everything God had for him in this hour we're together. I remember a couple of years ago when Heather Podgorski started coming to church here and she shared this story publicly when she was baptized. So I'm only repeating what has been shared publicly. But when she was sharing her story about starting to come to church here, she said, for the first time in my life, I couldn't wait to go to church on Sunday and when it was over, I didn't want it to be over. And when I heard that, I thought, boom, that's it. She's got a craving for spiritual milk. She is feeding upon the truth of the gospel. Now, I know Sunday church isn't always like that. And it may be the same for the other opportunities you have to grow spiritually, just a dry season, a time of disinterest. But let the apostles' words settle on your heart. Crave spiritual milk. 
as one who has been born again, as one who's been born by the Spirit, this is the food you were made for. In the same way that a little baby was made to drink mama's milk, you were made for spiritual milk. You were made to grow in love by this spiritual milk. So imagine, we were infiltrated, we were spied upon by a mystery churchgoer. And even if this person may disagree with many things that we believe, some of our beliefs may be otherworldly to them, wouldn't you want to say, wouldn't you want them to say of us, yeah, but man, they love each other. They have a sincere brotherly love for one another. Brothers and sisters, brotherly love marks the family of God. Let's love one another and crave the spiritual milk that will help us grow in that love. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Church, let's stand as we prepare to respond to God's word through song, and I'll pray for us. Our Father in heaven, we celebrate this morning the imperishable seed of the gospel. Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of Christ, his life, death, and resurrection on our behalf. And we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, whereby we experience new life in Christ. God, what a joy to be a part of your forever family, to be connected with our brothers and sisters to be connected in love. And so, Father, I pray for this church. I pray that your Holy Spirit would tear down every wall of hypocrisy, every wall of deceit, every evil intent in our hearts. May it be put away and put to death by your Holy Spirit. Work in us, God, so that we could be a city on a hill, so that we could be the light of the world, the light of love. God, do this in Woodside Lapeer, only you, only your Holy Spirit, only your grace, only the truth of the gospel. And so come and move in us, God, we pray. And Father, I pray within each one of us. Maybe for some of us, it's been a long time since we have craved the things of God. Maybe it's been a long time since we have wanted to grow. God, create in us a new desire. Restore in us the joy of our salvation. And may we, like hangry babies, go after spiritual milk that'll grow us in love. God, do this work inside of us as we pray to you through this next song. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.